JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. And here we go. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw. Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. The first career touchdown. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it. Hits it. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome to the NFL Combine on a Wednesday, downtown Indianapolis. Thank you all for joining us. Chris Ballard met with the media a little bit earlier today. We will go over a little bit of that, I'm sure. I see Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, is lurking over there here in the Gourmet. I'll talk with them. Coming up a little bit later on, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network is going to mosey on by coming up here in the 3 o'clock hour as well. Now, I will tell you that we were supposed to have Shane Steichen on today. Shane Steichen, I guess, much like I did last week, Shane Steichen fell ill, was unable to be here today. So we will push back our conversation with the Colts head coach. And according to the NFLPA and their report card, one of the few, if not the only A's within this Colts organization, which is something we'll talk about, I guess, a little bit later on, too. Shane Steichen will join us from what I've been told on the show coming up next week. So Chris Ballard met with the media earlier today, and I wish that there was something to write home about, believe me i want you here and i want you staying here hopefully you will anyway but there was nothing really outstanding that you would go oh wow i'm really surprised about that sure they want to keep michael pittman jr sure they're going to keep michael pittman jr they don't want to utilize the franchise tag they may use it as a tool if they have to they have been working on a long-term deal with his representation here recently 
Thus, it would stand the reason, unless they just absolutely can't get to a number here in, what, the next six days or so, they're not going to utilize that franchise tag. And, again, that surprises absolutely nobody, nor does it surprise anybody that Michael Pittman Jr. is somebody that they want in their plans moving forward. They should want him in their plans moving forward. In fact, if you're watching the combine at the wide receiver position, if you're watching the combine uh, as far as what you feel a Colts need is, I will consistently maintain that that is still at the top of the list. It is just going to be at the top of the list when you have a rookie quarterback that has to reboot his rookie season once again. It's kind of like the same thing we talked about last year. You have to continue to build around this guy as much as possible. And it's one of the things I wanted to talk to Shane Steichen about today was the philosophy of this is year number eight for Chris Ballard, which is absolutely flooring year number eight for Chris Ballard. But his philosophy, which has you know been longstanding, a point of emphasis, whether positively or oftentimes here negatively when we talk about that. But his philosophy and how it matches up with that of Shane Steichen, it was interesting if there was one thing that I took away from that presser a little bit earlier, and I was actually there. If there was one thing I did take away, it was the whole we debate. Those are my words, not theirs. But they challenge one another in terms of, hey, I like this guy. This is what I don't want to do. Well, wait a minute. Why do you like that guy? And this is what you want to do because this is what is better suited. They say they have a back and forth. And I do believe that to be good. But I just kind of wonder whose philosophy is going to win now. And I will tell you, after eight years and one playoff win and no division titles, I can flat tell you whose philosophy I'd rather hear. I can tell you that. So I'm assuming that there is a little bit more balance than we have seen here in the past collectively. Maybe a little bit more balance in terms of what the offensive-minded head coach, who got an A-, minus, the offensive-minded head coach with, again, a rookie quarterback and what he wants. And let's just face it, that's a smart thing to do, right? The smart thing to do is to make sure you satisfy the major needs. There's no doubt. You look at the quarterback position. We'll talk to Matt Miller about that from ESPN, the draft analyst, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Cornerback, edge rusher, all will continuously be needs. But helping out your quarterback once again in what essentially is going to be a reboot of a rookie season for him is to me what is major essential for this team moving forward. Just some takeaways from Chris Ballard a little bit earlier today and again that reminder Shane Steichen was supposed to be here today at around 4. He is ill and in fact he's not even going to do his podium visit I don't think today. Uh, We'll get uh, Shane I think on coming up next week is what I have been told. Ian Rappaport will join us a little bit later on in the show. I mentioned Matt Taylor. I don't know if the Gorman's going to tag along, but uh, we'll talk with them. The Colts are doing a lot of stuff not too far from where we're seated right now. Got Matt Miller, as I mentioned, coming up of ESPN in the 4 o'clock hour. Kristen Neri is going to be here. Pacers and the Pelicans coming up tonight. Interesting. This is just the way that it goes sometimes, right? 
This is when you know I think you have something truly special. When you have a team that rolls in like the Pelicans did evidently at about 6 a.m. this morning. Because if you got up or maybe you had, you were asleep and you had to wake up because we had storms roll through the area uh, last night, what, about 2 in the morning or so. But evidently it was kind of an adventure for the Pelicans to get here last night. They arrived at about 6 in the morning from New York. So I know what you're saying. Well, they just play basketball. And you know what? There's a lot of what you say that is accurate. But they're going to have to take a long nap and then get prepared to get back on it in the second of a back-to-back later on tonight. Now, even under conditions not like that, the Pacers have been a mess in the second of a back-to-back. But you look at it, you look at the results from last night, and you saw the Pacers drop. And this is where things, as far as the standings are concerned, because now we're going to zero in on that. You look at just how easily things fluctuate. For example, you're like riding an eighth right now. But what are you, a half a game from getting back up to where you were, a couple of games to getting up, I think even past Philadelphia in this case right now. So a win streak or a losing streak here or there can really put you in a situation either incredibly incredibly good or in dire circumstances. So it's time, it's time to start becoming – what you believe that you are. I referenced Rick Carlisle on with the morning show when he was on there yesterday talking about that very thing. We'll learn from a game like on Monday night of that loss at home to Toronto. We expect to be up in a four hole. That's what we expect. Well, you know what? I would expect that too, but you also have to show it. And this team in those situations, it has been few and far between in terms of being able to show it. I'd, listen, if I didn't believe in them, if I didn't believe in them, I wouldn't lay out that line of garbage for you. I wouldn't. I would just say, like last year, for example. Like last year, I would just tell you, hey, you watch what they're doing, but it's not going to have the payoff, the immediate payoff that you're looking for right now. And you look at this season, and that has been flipped. There is a level of expectation, and it's not just for me. Like yesterday, i give you a great example. I asked this question at the end of the show. I asked the question, said, hey, I picked this team to win 45 games. That was my expectation at the beginning of the year. They are still on target to win 45 games. So should I be that critical, that upset with a loss like Monday? Because that's where I thought they should be. That is a target that is still reachable. Why should I be so upset? Here's why. Because you, with the growth of a team, you expect more. You win four or five from Milwaukee, that gets you to expect more. Get a couple wins. Get that big win against Boston, for example. I mean, when you're able to have the tiebreaker against Philadelphia, the tiebreaker against New York, that has you raise the bar. And then when they end up losing a game like they did on Monday, which we have grown accustomed to seeing, that 
is why we're critical. And that is why those of us out there that have been critical and been negative about that are absolutely right. Because all you have to do is go back to listen to what Rick Carlisle said to the guys yesterday morning. They believe they're a four-hole in the Eastern Conference type of team. Well, it is time to more consistently prove that to everybody. That's time. And it's time to sidestep the issues that you have. Again, how should I put this? If it's like Max Struess last night and he throws one in from about 55 feet or whatever it was on the other side of half court, um, if he throws one in like that or if a team just shoots the lights out or a team has you know good fortune here or there, if you're getting a bad whistle, you know, all these things we will examine and then come up with our opinion at the moment. The thing that we will never take, the thing that we don't take, and you should not, is being out-efforted. And that's what was talked about on Monday. And that simply cannot happen. That, that will stunt your growth. You cannot have the other team. Second half or not. Second half or a back-to-back makes no difference. You can't have a team out-effort you. And that has been more than a couple of times, a handful of times this season, the case. So to me, that's the sign of growth that Rick Carlisle is talking about. Either that's the sign of growth, you move past that, or that is just essentially who you are as a team. I'll give me a great example. I don't know how much growth we're talking about. You got IU got Wisconsin last night at Assembly Hall in Bloomington. That was the first enjoyable game of watching IU play that I have seen in a while. And it was more than just, for example, Khalil Ware being really good. What was he, 27 and 11 going with a double-double? And really being an unstoppable force against a Wisconsin team. It's not like Wisconsin is that bad down low. Wisconsin's pretty good. They've got stacked up big guys. If you remember, they ran everybody about the kitchen sink at Zach Eady a couple of weeks ago when Purdue was up in Madison. But even with their woes on the road, they do bring to the table what a team, for example, like IU that has all these high star rated dudes that have been playing down to that. And whether you want to talk up Mike Woodson as the cause of that, really coach, coaching staff, players are all the cause of that. Depends on how you want it. Depends on if you're anti-Mike Woodson, uh, if you're a little bit more pro-Mike Woodson, or if you're thinking these players would be a lot better with somebody else. But the fact remains last night, you got a different kind of effort. It wasn't just Khalil Ware playing well. They got a different effort. That was an acceptable effort. That was a consistently acceptable effort. And even if a team is not knocking down shots, even if a team is having a disappointing season, the one thing that I realize in being from around here, and certainly knowing you and how much you love basketball, just like me, that is something that we can see. You don't have to be a coach, a winning coach, a knuckleheaded coach, a former coach. You don't have to be a coach to see that. 
I feel fairly certain that most people out there, if you grew up around here and you love basketball like I do, you can tell. You don't have to be told by somebody that says, well, I've coached. That's not a magic, magical elixir. If you just watch basketball, you can notice. And last night, the one thing you did notice is a more consistent effort from that group. That's what you got. And you know what? It is weird, right? When you play hard or harder or you don't go into a shell or you don't half-ass it here or there either because you're tired or you grow disinterested or you're just not mature enough to understand the situation and the stakes is what you're playing. The one thing you do realize, when you go out there and you play hard, that can turn a really bad night, a really bad afternoon in terms of shooting, in terms of defensive play. That can turn a really bad night, a really bad afternoon, into something that's more memorable. Those are the games you call grinding them out. This team to me, this team to me has been incapable of being a team that would be able to grind out a game. It's almost like for them to win, everything has to be going well. And the moment they hit the skids, the moment they hit a difficult position, then they just kind of fold the tent up and it's over. You saw last night they would get out to Leeds. Wisconsin would respond. How many times did that happen last night? Yeah, both prior to the alarm being pulled or the smoke alarm going off or whatever the hell it was prior to that and then after it. Like, I know Greg Gard made light of it. And listen, we all would too. If somebody yanked a fire alarm when things were going well for IU or things were going well for Purdue and you had a 19, 20-minute delay trying to shuffle everybody out of the arena and then bring everybody else out, if you were that team that had that momentum, you were going to be pissy about it. I mean, matter of fact, you'd probably be pissy about it anyway. So I can understand where Greg Gard is coming from. I can understand where Wisconsin is coming from. But the thing that stood out to me more than the wear game, more than just the win in general, was this was the first time in a long time that you saw this team grind, get a lead, respond, and then counterpunch. How many different times? It was more than a handful of times that you saw that last night. That has been a rarity to this team this season. Now, you saw that a lot last year, for example, when Trace Jackson Davis was here or when Jalen Hood Shafino was here. Really, you just have a couple of guys that had that elite-level talent, and more times than not, you, you didn't have to lean on that. But you have guys right now that are young, very talented, and whether it's on coaching or on them, the one thing that has not been a consistent factor, especially during that four-game losing streak, was the level of play that they showed you. The responding to adversity. Creating your own moments. Last night I thought they did that. They kept coming at Wisconsin, whether we're talking about where. I think Mbako had a couple of threes. I thought that Trey Galloway, I love a good jumper, right? And his jumper is far from good. It's broke as a joke. And I don't know how you get to that level. Obviously, you're athletic and you're gifted in a lot of other areas. But your jumper is broke as a joke. 
But the one thing that he does have that I can talk about all day is I love a dude with a good floater. Anybody else? Galloway has himself an exceptional floater. How many times did you see that last night? How many times did you see that in particular in the second half with big moments? That's what you're looking for as an IU fan. That level of play, again, consistently. And as I mentioned, the punching and then Wisconsin punching back and then that counterpunch is something that has been missing from this team basically all season long. And, you know, whether or not it's going to be fleeting, I can't tell you that this is going to hang around. But for, you know, one night in Bloomington, for example, I thought that was a big deal last night. And that stuck out to me more than anything else did was how they hung in there. Actually, how they got out, got out in front, got up 15, yacked up the lead, took it over again, gave it up again, took it over again. And then in the final minutes of that game, I think Noah Eagle a couple of different times along with Robbie Hummel called it winning time. Yeah, I was watching that thing, the end of it on Peacock last night. During winning time, they stepped up. And that was in a fashion in which we have rarely seen this year, and it has been non-existent, certainly, as it feels in like the last month, month or so. So we can hit that if you like at 239-1070. It was weird. So I was watching last night, and I, I for one, was absolutely shocked when – Nobody knew for such an extended period of time what the hell was going on. I mean, nobody knew whatsoever. And then we come to find out, really, it took – it was almost like they were bringing the crowd back in. And, and I do – if you have time to call, if you're listening right now and you have time to call – at some point this afternoon, I would love to hear if you were there last night and what you felt, again, about being shuffled out – and then brought back in. And I was kind of curious if anybody knew why they were going out. Because a lot of people felt there was inclement weather inbound. And it was weather down in Bloomington. But it wasn't. It was ended up it was a fire alarm. Jake had said, and I hadn't heard that yet. Jake had said that maybe it was um, a, a smoke alarm going off in the balcony. He said he had heard somebody was smoking or something up there. I, who knows? I would love to know who. And I would love to know how it happened. But it was interesting sitting there and entertaining thoughts. If you were just watching the broadcast broadcast you would have had no idea because they had no idea i was curious of people there when you were told to evacuate if you had any idea last night why you were evacuating and then too i also thought about this mike woodson thanked everybody for actually evacuating and then bringing your ass back in how many of you once you ended up going out didn't come back just out of curiosity, how many did not return? But I do want to hear some first-person thoughts on being there last night. I, you could say, because Wisconsin was on a run, that that took that away. But you have no idea how either team – think about it from an IU standpoint. How many times, as I just documented to you, how many times have they been put in a bad situation and basically stayed down? That's not a good situation for anybody. 
And I know that the game was tied, what, at 54 at the time, and Wisconsin was on a run and playing much better. But I don't think that stoppage for that length of time was good for either. Now, again, if you're Wisconsin, you can understand. You're on a run, you're feeling good, and all of a sudden, boom, we're down for 19 minutes. And you're thinking something is amiss here. But impressive it was because normally this season when IU has been put down, IU has stayed down. And that certainly was not the case last night. So Hoosier fans, especially those that were there, I would not mind to hear from you. A little Butler conversation college-wise coming up. My Sycamores on the road, the second to last regular season game. That's later on tonight down at the Ford Center in Evansville. I mentioned I'm going to head over to Terre Haute with Greg Rakestraw coming up on Sunday. Murray State is their regular season finale coming up on Sunday afternoon. I'll tell this too. If you went out yesterday, even when it got cloudy, it was like 66 degrees. The difference between yesterday and today is incredible. Because with that wind out here, we walked, basically Jake and I walked over here uh, inside all the way through the Hyatt and then obviously through uh, the Skywalks and then into the convention center. But the wind is making it brutal. But I will tell you this, in what is the final day of February, if we get the weather that we think we're going to get on Saturday and Sunday, I'll take it. I'll deal with today. I'll deal with tomorrow, even deal with going into Friday. I will take it if we can have a Saturday and Sunday that is supposed to be in the mid-60s. It's supposed to be around 70 coming up on Sunday. Indeed, I will take it. Hopefully, we'll have some fun with that. We shall see. We're going to deserve that. I tell you, there have been few months of March to where, and we're not even there yet, but the weather has been turning for the good. You know, most of the time we have to pay the price. Hopefully we don't have to pay the price with it. I guess we are essentially right now, but this weekend does look really good. Hey, we're live at the NFL Combine today. Thank you all for joining us. I know this is the third of three shows that have been here. I see Ian Rappaport on with the uh, Minnesota Vikings folks over there. He's going to join us from the NFL Network coming up in just a little bit. Chris Ballard met with the media a little bit earlier today. We shall discuss that, I'm sure, with him. Kevin Bowen's going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. It was not me. You blame Swebo for Bowen getting sick after Swebo got sick. I think everybody's getting sick. And now Shane Steichen is sick. He was supposed to be on the show today. He was supposed to be down here meeting with the media today. He is not. He's going to join us coming up on the show. From what I've been told, that is next week. Inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. And, again, get in there. You can watch. And I don't you know what you can see behind us right now. People are setting up some stuff with Jacksonville. I know that's intriguing for you right here. You can watch. You can listen. And the best part about it is you can participate. 
And even better than that is the fact that we normally talk about stuff that we're not actually talking about on the show. It's like two or three different shows all in one. AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. Ian Rappaport to come. Matt Taylor is going to join us. Chris Denary, voice of the Pacers. Matt Miller of ESPN, their NFL draft guru, joins us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Bowen's going to be here after 5. I would like to tell you that somebody's going to stop by and talk. I have no damn idea if anybody's going to stop by and talk. Ballard met with the media. I think all the local media people have already bugged out of here. So it just may be what we're doing here today. This may be the lone day, Dev, that I'm here. You may get to go at 3 o'clock coming up tomorrow on Friday. Because I'm not going to stay here if we're not going to be set up with people to talk to about being here. As much as I love it. As much as I love the 2024 NFL Combine. All right, 239-1070. Calls on the other side. The show that I mentioned, we will talk about that as well coming up. The uh, AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. The stream, the app, it is HD Radio. I want to get back into the Pelicans and the Pacers tonight, a game in which I will attend at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. That and more for you inside the convention center. We are, I don't know if you guys can get here or not, we are in the Hoosier Corridor J right here. Hoosier Corridor J. I don't know if you can get in here, but that's where we are. NFL Combine 2024. You got us all good to go on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan back with you next. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich of Dr. Pepper. Make it fast. I'm going to damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. That is Nathaniel back there in for James. Uh, Ian Rappaport's going to join us coming up in just a bit. By the way, I was reminded by Corey and others, this is what they call a leap year. I had no idea. I had no idea what month it was, too. I thought this was the last stinking day of February. We got one more day, evidently, in a leap year. That's what it's called, live from the NFL Combine. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, with me. You know the sleep year stuff? I, I was unaware of the leap Better year. Better turn that on. Yeah, there there you check, go, check. buddy. One, two, there three. This go. is Radio 101, right? Turn yes. on the button. Come on now. Uh, no, I, I had no idea that tomorrow was the 29th. Zero. That zero. Me either. Zero. I thought for a minute, I thought, well, that kind of makes me sound like an a-hole. Speaking, Why should I know that? Speaking of that kind of stuff, are you aware of how crazy anticipated this lunar eclipse thing is going to oh, be. Oh, yeah. I think we're going to be doing something my, special with my the My kids show. are out of school that day. Oh, really? They just shut down school altogether. They said traffic uh, around town is going to be so bad, both coming and going for pickup and drop-off. Don't even bother with school that day. And I'm like, are, are there that many people coming into central Indiana to watch the moon that day? Is that what uh, – evidently when's the last time we had an eclipse? Well, evidently central Indiana is like the place to be is it really? in America. America to watch this thing based on the proximity of the earth, the moon, and the sun. I don't know. That's I, I swear to God. Are you going to be doing something special? I think this show is going to be out doing something special. Well, you better get there early because yeah, ev- evidently the city's going to be gridlocked because they're shutting down school. Man, yeah. There's no way Ron Colley's shutting down school I'm, I'm, to do this. I'm just reporting what I'm hearing. Uh, it can snow 19 feet, and Ron Colley says, yep, you got to so, get your ass up and get in there. They said that Franklin, Indiana is 
like the epicenter or the best viewing is it really? of the eclipse. That is the reason why I think our special show, from what I've heard, is going to be a Legends Golf Club well, with see. Ted Bishop down there. There you go. Yeah. You doubted me. I'm telling you. This is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I, yeah. I the, need to know stuff like this. this. I just solar, is it a solar eclipse or lunar eclipse? Yeah. It happens, I mean, you got happens me. once every, like, 65 Some, somebody years. Somebody can explain that to me, but that sounds like a hellaciously awesome time <laughs> right there. So, kids school? Or so, you think Ron Colley shuts down for that? I I would I would think. You got all those kids driving to school. There's no buses to Ron Colley. Everybody has to get there themselves. You don't want a bunch of 16-year-olds sitting in traffic on 465 or McFarland Road. Yep. I don't know. That, that's that's <laughs> what, what I'm hearing. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor is with us down LaSalle. You guys have been busy we so have far been. over there, yeah. haven't you? Day number two, I think. I oh, think you were here yesterday? We were here all day yesterday. Oh, yesterday, I think we did like 11 interviews and, and, and uh, you know, mixing and mashing those into podcasts and stuff like that. Slowly releasing stuff, matriculate them out, yes. as they say. Uh, I think between Tuesday and Friday, the four days, we're going to have like 40 different interviews with the draft, which is a lot. It's a lot. And you don't have the storylines as you did last year, obviously, with the Colts and, you know, quarterback needs and top five pick and all that. But there's still a lot to learn. And um, I think you you do run the gamut with uh, draft knowledge, talking to all these guys uh, that have either been former scouts or they they cover the draft uh, 24-7. Well, I told told Ballard a little bit earlier, I said, can you get your ass and and trade up for Marvin Harrison Jr.? (laughs) How'd that go? I said, let's go. <laughs> actually, actually, it would take so much. This is one I would normally sit here and just like BS everybody and go, oh, yeah, that's what you got to do. But it would take so ridiculously much to do that. So I, I wide receiver, yes. Well, but to get that far up to where he's going to be, well, the name that I could kind of understand. Name recognition wise, around here, obviously he moves the meter. Uh, obviously, just because of the of the family. But uh, based on what you're hearing, it's another incredibly deep wide receiver draft class, and you can go get like let's just say that if you can draft the the third or fourth best wide receiver at, at pick 15 or the fifth or sixth best yeah. wideout in the middle of round one, you can still get 80 to 85 percent of those players at wide receiver on day two round two round three because of the depth and just the the amount of talent that's uh, at that position in this draft and we've been saying that for what the last five or six years seemingly value pick time Chris Ballard yeah we're gonna value that up trade back and get a little bit of value Uh, somebody had just told me that Carmel's closed the Eclipse is on Championship <laughs> Monday, and Carmel's going to be closed. How do you close Carmel? I you mean, just, like, you shut sh- down the shut, roundabout? Shut, <laughs> just shut down an entire school corporation or uh, Carmel's going to be closed on that? That's Championship Monday. See, here's what's going to happen. Indiana State's going to go all the way to that championship game on Monday. And, and you, can't even get out of your house. you can't even get out of your I house. You can't do anything. Yeah. Because there's an eclipse going no, on. No, I swear. I'm, I'm hearing that the city of Indianapolis is going to be just completely congested with out-of-towners and moon geeks trying to watch this eclipse. Then they're going to come from all over the country. Moon because, geeks. Because I guess central Indiana yeah. is like the place to be. I swear. This is what I've been told. Were you big into science astronomy as a freshman at, at Franklin College? And it was actually one of my more enjoyable classes, yeah. I learned a lot. 
Man, I need to know more. I took the history of Western film <laughs> at Indiana State. I got an A. Yeah. I got an A in a Rio Bravo watching. <laughs> I was really good at watching you, Rio Bravo. You use that to uh, you put that to good use <laughs> every did. day, don't you? Every day. I was really good. Thanks for that A. Rio Bravo was good. You, you would not a, be. Buddy. You would not be here today if it not were that for that uh, Western. What'd you call it? History of Western <laughs> film. <laughs> yes. So you just like watch Shawshank ten times? Well, we. I. I. I had. To, I wrote a paper that here's the difference between Rio Bravo, Red River, and a spaghetti western. Oh, okay. Like the good, the bad, and the ugly. So Bonanza wasn't on the list, or uh, um, I think because it was uh, Bonanza an episodic was a t- television yeah, TV program. Show. No. That's why. But Red River, Rio Bravo, um, Who Shot Liberty Valance was another big <laughs> one that, with Jimmy Stewart. Oh, I was hey, I was all over that. Watch out. <laughs> I did. What the wild bunch? Yeah, and then obviously the ones, the ones of today. I don't think it was out when I was still in college. Uh, Tombstone wasn't out yet. Tombstone, but Tombstone's yeah. one of those. I love a good outlaw Josie Wales. Good modern western. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Hell or High Water? Came out uh, part of it. Not came out like a it. 2016 or so. Chris Pine's yes. in it. Uh, I, I'm I'm declaring that movie, at least for me, yeah. the, the best movie of the 2010s. Really? That's my favorite movie between 2010 and 2020. I got you. Yeah. You got time to hang around for a minute? Let's do it. All right, because Ian Rappaport is going to come over here. Let's take a break. Nathaniel will come back. Top of the hour, Matt Miller of ESPN, their NFL draft guru. Denary in the 4 o'clock hour. Bowen's going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour. 2024 NFL Combine. 93.5107. Find the fan. The Ride with JMV. Don't read your email, because I'm really butthurt when you read your email. Uh... 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm John. I'm I'm at the NFL Combine. I love it. Pacers-Pelicans later on tonight. 7.30, remember, is that tip time tonight, because that is on national TV. That's on ESPN later on tonight. I will be there. Hopefully, if you're going, I will see you there. Uh, we'll follow some things today regarding Aaron Neesmith and his availability. He was uh, moved up to questionable. Uh, we'll so, let's see about that. I'm assuming Kristen Neri joins us at about 4.30. Uh, we will get into that a little bit, too. And then, uh, in terms of C.J. McCollum, who didn't play last night, um, I'm sure the second of back-to-back for them with Zion Williamson, considering they didn't get in evidently to Indy last night or this morning, I should say, until around 6 a.m. All really good questions, and we'll have answers to a little bit later on in the show. Who's your Corridor J is our location. The voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, is with us. Anybody, like, yak up anything interesting for you guys over there so far today? Yeah, a lot. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned so far being here through two days is that the draft is really, really heavy on offense. I mean, some people think that eight or nine of the top ten picks are going to be all offensive players, and that includes quarterbacks, yeah. uh, at least three, um, sometimes four. Uh, some people are thinking five quarterbacks in the first round, but obviously with the Colts sitting there at 15, the more quarterbacks that can go, the better for Indianapolis when you're talking about either getting a 
playmaking wide receiver or you know a first or second uh, player at his particular position on defense at a premium spot like corner or defensive end so that's been my biggest takeaway so far uh, learning about this draft because I really don't start on the draft until the end of the Super Bowl so in the grand scheme of things you know I'm pretty much uh, you know in my infancy on yeah on draft prep but um, all you hear about in terms of the mock drafts right now for the Colts is Brock Bowers either him or the cornerback um, Arnold out of Alabama yeah. has been mocked to the Colts a bunch too so I don't think you can go wrong uh, either way because you just need I think the Colts need to do one of two things I actually they have to do both but in terms of addressing it in the first round they got to get more explosive on offense and they got to limit the big plays on defense um, so if you can get if you can get a player that does one of those two things in the first round I think that's a success for the Colts I say this uh, just simply Matt that you still have to get as much help as possible for your quarterback who's going to be rebooting a rookie season I, again, and I know that they, they uh, you know, Josh Downs last year, Alec Pierce the year before last, you're going to at some point, according to Chris Ballard, end up re-signing or at least bringing back Michael Pittman Jr. in some capacity. You still view that position as needing to go and get even more because I do. Yeah, I agree with you. I think even if you do bring back Michael Pittman Jr., you don't cross off the possibility of using a premium draft pick uh, with a pass catcher, whether that's tight end with Bowers or another wide receiver. And again, you can go get uh, an instant playmaker, a guy that can crack your top three wide receiver uh, rotation in the first three rounds. That's how deep that position is. Um, so again, you know, Michael Pittman Jr., we've talked about this. He is a high volume catch guy. He's going to get nine or ten targets a game, and he's going to win and, and succeed between the numbers. And it's not that he can't be more of a yards per catch guy. I think that he can, primarily if he plays with Anthony Richardson. So there's, there's more juice uh, you know, from, from that squeeze, if you will, from Michael Pittman Jr. But I think for the most part, he is who he is, and that's a compliment. I'm not criticizing his game at all. I think you have to have a player like that. And to me, Pittman's the total package. He's incredibly physical. He's gritty. He's durable. He never misses games. He's going to catch the ball. He's got great hands. He completely buys into your offense in the running game. He's a willing blocker. Um, he's just not going to be that 15 yards per catch guy. He's not going to traditionally and consistently win on the outside. He's not a burner. And, again, that's not me taking anything away from his game because I think every team in the NFL would sign up to have a guy like Michael Pittman Jr. on their team. I think you need to complement this offense with Pittman and even more explosivity, if you will, on the outside, either outside the numbers, and down the field because at times last year with Michael Pittman Jr. and or excuse me with with Gardner Minshew I beg your pardon it was like the Colts sometimes based on the opponent and with Gardner Minshew at quarterback yeah. it was like playing on a 20-yard field yeah well and, and, and that in a lot of people will bring up that Michael Pittman Jr. is without the yards after the catch 
that. You know, I mean, he, last he, year he's around 10.6, yeah. which is kind of like a really good tight end. Right, keeper. right. Yeah. But I, I will say this, just the high volume of catches, and then you can mix everybody else in on this. I just think this is a part of, of what you're looking for if you're Shane Steichen, and especially what you're looking for from this offense if Anthony Richardson is pulling that trigger. Well, everybody keeps saying you can't pay Michael Pittman Jr. Those The, the detractors from him are – yeah, he's not a number one wide receiver. You can't pay him. You can't pay him a contract uh, that that starts with the two. You can't pay him twenty million dollars. Well, all I know is Michael. I don't know what a number one wide receiver is. I just know he's a damn good football player. And again, you want him on your team, but you also need to be more explosive and off on offense. And I think with Richardson coming back. I think he'll solve that riddle a lot on his own because the Colts were, and Chris Ballard talked about this at the end of the season, the Colts were a very explosive team in those you know, first four games when Richardson was healthy, both in the running game and the passing game. So with his presence back, that's, that's going to help a ton. But I, I, I agree with you. With him coming back and having to kind of reboot his rookie season, you know, kind of 2023 2.0, uh, all hands on deck and that that's a good problem to have with playmakers trying to find a role on the field. All right, you're going to be here for the next couple of days, right? I'll be here till Friday. Oh, man, I believe this is unfortunately going to be my only day here. <laughs> I'm saddened by that because it's so enjoyable. I know you I mean, are. It really I is. know you and, are. And, uh, yeah, I'm having a blast. But here. you're going to be down here about... since noon because somebody told me in an email that I had to get my credential before they close it down at noon. Yeah, you were so kind of hustled my ass down here by noon and just been sitting around You've done like three shows by now. Oh, my. My goodness. You know what I mean? Silly. I've been here since 8, so. Have you? Ooh, yeah, that's early right there. My brother, I appreciate you. Yeah, More man. than you know. Likewise, and, man. And, uh, Likewise. I'm sure we'll do this again. Maybe you'll join me and Franklin when we see the total eclipse of the heart just, with just, Bonnie Tyler. I guess I have to camp out there. How I many times will that tank. thing be played? Yeah. That thing will be played over Especially and over by again. you oh, on that day. Yes. You will buy into that. My man, that's I appreciate you. special. Matt Taylor right there, voice of the Colts with us again. We're at the 2024 NFL Combine. He is one of the better guys to talk about it. A laundry list of options that the Colts should have at 15. I've got Matt Miller coming up on the other side. Chris Denary tonight, 7.30 ESPN, the Pelicans and the Pacers. And Denary joins us, bottom of the 4 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, live at the NFL Combine today. Thank you all for joining us. Dev's the on-site engineer. You know, it's weird. I love being out on location. You know that. I loathe being out on location where I can't hang out with you. Um, I equally loathe being out on location where I can't have a couple of drinks. And neither one of those can take place right now. I can't hang out with you. And I can't have any drinks. So, as much as I love being out, this is a different, altogether experience. There is no doubt if you were waiting on Shane Steichen, uh, you're going to be waiting until next week because he'd be illing. He is unavailable today. He's going to join us coming up on the show from what I have been told by the Colts at some point this week. If you missed it earlier today, Chris Ballard met with the media here, talked about in September Michael Pittman Jr. will be a part of this team. They're going to find out they're trying to work through a longer-term deal while also thinking about the franchise tag as I think he called it a tool. 
So that came out of today. Conversation with both he and Shane Steich. And that was asked, I think, after everybody met with him on the podium out there. That was asked locally about conversations with Jim Irsay, which uh, evidently Chris Ballard and Shane Steich have uh, been having. Uh, regarding the draft of the Combine, too. So that and more with Chris Ballard a little bit earlier today. We shall hit that. Kristen Airy, bottom of the hour. Pelicans, Pacers later on tonight. Pacers got to get back on the winning track. We'll talk that up with the voice of the Pacers. And Bowen, Bowen loves it out here. However, Bowen's a little bit under the weather himself. Kev's going to join me coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. I see you guys all lurking in there. Thank you very much for being a part of it. IU, a win over Wisconsin last night. Either somebody yanked the fire alarm, or as Jake Query told me earlier today, it was somebody smoking <laughs> inside an elevator or something. I, don't, I like the pulling of the fire alarm story much better. IU gets a win. Khalil Ware has a really nice game with that double-double. We'll talk about that. Butler, Indiana State, also in action. We shall hit that. Separate games, but in action. We shall I'll hit that coming up a little bit later on as well. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, you will not find anybody better at breaking down a draft and draft picks, especially considering like last year where the Colts were drafting, it would have been much easier to hard target that. 15 is a little bit different. Who's going to be available in a variety of needful areas for the Colts coming up in the spring NFL draft? To talk about that and the impact of this combine on those players from ESPN, their NFL draft guru, it is Matt Miller on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, Matt, thank you for the time. How are you? Doing well. Appreciate you guys having me. Give me the most interesting aspect as we enter now full-fledged NFL combine 2024 where's the top story I, I think it's at the top three quarterbacks are not working out here in Indy uh you know we get used to not seeing players work out right last year Bryce Young doesn't work out but CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson last year do work out and it helps their draft stock I would say tremendously you know for CJ Stroud solidify yourself you're drafted number two overall you make the Houston Texans fall in love with you Anthony Richardson as you guys know well have a historic workout you drafted in the top five by the Indianapolis Colts and now we get a year later and no one wants to work out so I, I think it's it's interesting that these you know where we're at I think the quarterbacks feel like they have uh, you know leverage because of how many teams need them but uh, I was really hoping we'd get to see some of these guys throw for selfish reasons but also for evaluation purposes hey Matt honestly last year CJ Stroud had me at ball placement specialist that may have been the most important aspect of the entire week here for him ball placement specialist which as a rookie in Houston that's how it turned out absolutely and you know I think it goes back to maybe I'm old school but I, I love people who want to compete you know, who wants to, you know, I, it's like the Julio Jones thing. It's like, oh, I'm not going to run. My agent says not to run. And then, you know, you, you get out here and you see everybody else running and you're like, wait a second, like, I can do that. You know, I, I'm, I'm better than that. I, I still love that element of it because football is a competitive game. It's a competitive sport. So, um, and again, I go back to last year, all the, all the, the conversation leading up to the combine was, oh, well, you know, C.J. Stroud, is he the third quarterback? Is he the fourth quarterback? And he said, nope, um, 
maybe the first quarterback. And I think we can look now and say maybe he should have been the first quarterback. So um, those are definitely big opportunities for players to help themselves. He's Matt Miller of ESPN, the NFL draft analyst and insider in town for the NFL Combine. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So who out of the quarterbacks you're talking about not working out, who is this likely to hurt the most? I don't think it will hurt Caleb Williams. I think he's, you know, he's the guy where it's like, okay, you kind of understand that one uh, because he is solidified. I think Drake May, I don't want to say it's going to hurt Drake May, but it's, it's a missed opportunity at least um, to come in here and have that C.J. Stroud moment to say, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not backing down from anything. I'm going to throw. I'm ready. And especially for Drake, uh, as a two-year starter, there's not as much tape on him as there is a guy like Jaden Daniels. And as a you know, junior entrant this year, he opted not to go to an all-star game like the Shrine Game or Senior Bowl. So it's just, you know, a limited amount of information out there about him right now. Um, and so I think this would have been uh, a good opportunity for him to make a team fall in love with him, whether that's in the top three or, or top two or top five. But uh, I do think this was a, a could have been a good week for him. Do you have any concerns regarding Caleb Williams? Uh, I mean, I think with every player you have concerns. You know, there's some fumbles. I think he had eight this year that pop up on on tape. Um, you know, he played he played some hero ball this year because they were so bad. I, I ran the numbers and there he lost ten games in college, and those ten losses, his defense was at forty point eight points. So I think at times he was trying to do too much, but. Take away the Notre Dame game, he threw two interceptions all year. You know, like he he doesn't turn the ball over. He's creative. He's got great arm strength. He's got great mobility. So you know, there's no perfect prospect, but he is he's one of the better quarterbacks I've ever seen. So Marvin Harrison Jr. is not working out as well, and he has taken certainly a different tact. How do you view him compared to you know what the quarterbacks are doing and then Marvin Harrison Jr. saying, hey, um, this is who I am. I'm going to work out. I'm just worried about you know me translating to the NFL level. Do you like the path in which he's taking? I like the, I like the message, you know, of – I'm trying to get ready to be an NFL wide receiver. And I, I think he is, is a unique player. You know, the quarterbacks, you want to see that competitiveness and you want to see it's really important to watch a quarterback throw in person. For a wide receiver, it's not as important for me to watch you run in a straight line in person. I can get the GPS numbers. I can get the 40, the hand-timed 40 numbers from a junior pro day. Uh, and I think the film is – you can see it all for a wide receiver on film. So I don't think it's an apples-to-apples apples comparison for him to the quarterbacks. But I, I love the messaging of – you know, I don't even know if he'll work out at his pro day. He's just saying, I'm trying to get ready to be an NFL player, not a track athlete. And I, I think you kind of have to respect that. If you know, if if Drake May came out and said, "Hey, I'm I'm cramming playbooks. I'm worried about cleaning up my footwork. I'm not worried about these you know ridiculous seventy yard throws off a rollout that I'll never do in the NFL." If if that's your messaging, I think we we would all respect that a lot. Of okay, man, this guy's trying to get ready to play ball. He's not trying to to get ready to run fast in a straight line. It's a Matt Miller of ESPN at NFL Draft Scout on the social media platform X. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline live from the NFL Combine. So where is Marvin Harrison Jr. compared to the other top-tier wide receivers in this draft? Uh, he's he's clearly the the best. And I'm a big Malik Neighbors fan. I'm a big fan of Roma Dunze. They're, they're both tremendous players, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is special. You know, I mean, you guys got a front row seat to the, the fantastic play of his dad. 
he's two inches taller and like 20 pounds heavier. So it's, it's wild. I, you know, I think you can look at AJ green, but he's faster. You can look at Larry Fitzgerald, but he's faster. And so those guys with their great body control and their fantastic hands and that just silky smooth route running ability, he's got all that, but he's still running away from dudes because he, he you know, he's like a four high four, three, low four, four type player. So he's really, really special all around prospect and, you know, if it weren't for Caleb Williams, we would be saying, hey, this is the number one player in this draft. Where is he going to likely go, in your opinion, in the draft? I, yeah, I think three or four overall. Um, three, the Patriots could draft him or they could trade out. Um, I think the Arizona Cardinals would love to have someone that expands Kyler Murray's strike zone, you know. And when you've got the scramble drill going and you've got a shorter quarterback, if you've got, you know, number 18 who's 6'4", with a hand up behind the defense, that makes the quarterback's job pretty easy. Here's Matt Miller. All right, should I start this campaign here? You, you kind of got the ball rolling a little bit. Obviously, Marvin Harris and his dad played here. Um, Chris Ballard has always been uh, with drafts. He's he's liked to uh, get those value picks. He's traded back a lot. However, you've got Anthony Richardson, who's going to have to reboot a rookie season. You've got uh, certainly an offensive oriented orient, orientated kind of head coach. Not even kind of with Shane Steichen here. <laughs> That's that's what you're looking at. So could I start a campaign of, by all means necessary, the Colts moving up to have the capability of drafting Marvin Harrison Jr.? Or is that just so outrageous, outlandishly ridiculous, I should not bring it up? It's fun to think about. I, I think it's just the cost. You know, uh, is, a, is any wide receiver ever worth the cost of moving from 15 to 3? And then on the other side of it, you know, does, would New England even be willing to go back that far? Would Arizona be willing to go back that far? You almost have to, like, piecemeal your way up. You know, yeah. you almost have to, like, trade to nine. And, and, you know, then you're trying to go from nine to three or nine to four to where it's not as expensive to do. And also to where the team on the other end of it is even willing to have that conversation because it is a really rich draft at the top. And so those teams that are, you know, they won four games last year, the Patriots and the Cardinals did. Those teams at the top aren't going to – want to move back a huge amount because these are bad rosters and they need that premium player. So uh, it's fun to think about. I'm with you. It'd be awesome to have him there with Anthony Richardson and hopefully with Michael Pittman back and Josh Downs. But uh, unfortunately, I think it's a little unrealistic. Well, and Matt, you're, you're right about that, too. The Colts drafted 15 as of right now, as, as I mentioned, too. And they've got a myriad of positions where they need an upgrade in talent. And and I would agree that wide receiver certainly is still one. I'm assuming that, that Michael Pittman Jr. comes back in some capacity, either with an extension or with a franchise tag before that deadline hits. That's the expectation. But they need somebody else who might be available at that position at 15 that they could take advantage of. Oh, my goodness. Brian Thomas Jr. I think this is where the, the start of his range is. So I know you love Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes. Here's your like SEC version. Six foot four, 205 pound former basketball player. Caught 17 touchdown passes this past year. Similar guy. Like he's going to run past people. Um, he has a speed element to his game that Michael Pittman doesn't have, and but does have that size element. So he's a really exciting playmaker um, where I, I do think somewhere around. 15 is, is probably where he comes off the board. Brock Bowers at tight end. Where would he be? And for a team that also needs a playmaking tight end in the Colts, would 15 be in that general vicinity? I think that's where he probably goes. You know, if, if you ask me to list the five best players, five best football players in this draft, 
Brock Bowers is on my list. If you ask me to list the best football prospects, that's a little bit harder because he's he's not the biggest guy. I, I cannot wait to see the height weight on him because I, I think it might surprise some people that he's he's probably not going to be you know six three two fifty like he was listed as. I think there's a chance he's, he's shorter and lighter than that. So uh, also there's the element of the tight end position not being super valued by NFL teams. There's a, a poor track record of, of success from first-round tight ends, uh, especially with their original team. So I, I love the way Brock Bowers plays football. I mean, gosh, he did everything for Georgia, everything. You know, runner, catcher, blocker. So he's the type of player that just makes your football team better. He's doing it at a position that has been a little bit devalued. So I think that's what makes him such a unique conversation. Will lighter and shorter become a little bit more of a skeptical point from teams around the NFL and their evaluation of him? I think so. I do because, you know, you worry about where's he ate, where does he come out as a blocker? Does he max out as a blocker uh, because of the size? Um, can you move him outside, which is some of the, like, if you're going to draft the tight end early, it's Kyle Pitts or Dalton Kincaid guys that you can move outside uh, with him because of the size deficiency are you going to be able to do that so it, it absolutely could be a spot that that gets him pushed down just because you know would you rather have the 6'4 200 pound Brian Thomas or the 6'2 230 Brock Bowers you know that you, you start to run into that a little bit and this is where we do overthink things in the NFL draft sometimes because you forget hey on Saturday this guy was unstoppable you know you, we overlook that for well, he's a little bit smaller than we wanted, or he's a little bit slower than we wanted, and, and that's how that's, that is how teams miss sometimes. It's the NFL Combine Wednesday here on Andy Matt Miller of ESPN, their NFL draft analyst on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, here's another position the Colts are in need. I don't know how robust this is in the first round, but who are you talking about who might be there in terms of the cornerback position? Yeah, so I like this corner class. There's, you know, Tyrion Arnold from Alabama, I think, is deserving of being a top 10 pick. Not sure that he will be because of all the quarterbacks and wide receivers who are going to get drafted. But Tyrion Arnold is fantastic. If he's there at 15, uh, you know, you send that pick in as soon as you're on the clock. Don't You can spend one second of your 10 minutes if he's there. I think he's that good of a player. After him, you get into guys like Ennis Rakestraw from Missouri, really, really good player. Um, Nate Wiggins from Clemson, who's a, a really, really good athlete. Uh, he's 6'2", 195 pounds. He's probably going to run in the 4'2 range. Um, so that's certainly exciting. Cooley McKinstry from Alabama, a really good playmaker throughout his career. Quinion Mitchell from Toledo is, is probably the name that you're going to hear a lot this week because he has started that climb. A fantastic senior bowl week started the process for him i think he's going to test really well here and to the point that you know we're going to talk about a toledo corner being drafted ahead of georgia guys alabama guys clemson guys ohio state guys just because the the type of play that he brings to the line of scrimmage and the speed to run down the field is really special all right matt what about the edge rushing position anybody stand out yeah a lot of guys dallas turner from alabama uh, should be a top 15 pick Leatu Latu from UCLA is an interesting prospect this week because medically he had to retire while at the University of Washington, got cleared at UCLA, played two years, health uh, was never a problem and, and was the most productive pass rusher in college football during that time. Uh, so he's definitely interesting. Jared Versa, Florida State, is your true 4-3 defensive end. You know, at 6'4", 260 pounds, he can play head up on the tackle. He can play in space. He's going to be really, really good against the run. Uh, and then Darius Robinson from Missouri is what we used to call a tweener, you know, six foot five, 290 pounds. 
can play inside, can play outside. Another player who had a, a dominant senior bowl week and really helped himself. So all those guys, I think, are, are top 20 picks as long as the health comes back good for, for a lot, too. He is Matt Miller of ESPN talking NFL draft, NFL combine, and more on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We kind of skipped over him in the quarterback position, but he had uh, some years here in Indiana at IU and then obviously finished strong at Washington. How do you view Michael Penix Jr. at the NFL level? Yeah, I think what he did at Indiana is as important as what he did at Washington for his NFL draft evaluation. You know, four years here, they all ended with a season-ending injury, and that's concerning, especially when you got two of those years are an ACL tear. That's going to have to get poked and prodded this week. I think that, for him, is bigger this week than anything he does on the field at Lucas Oil. It's how do teams feel about the knee? Um, where's that at long-term? You know, he another guy, he was healthy the last years at Washington, was – Highly prolific was the runner-up Heisman Trophy candidate this year. But uh, how do teams feel about the knee moving forward is really going to be big for him. But, you know, as far as just watching guys throw, he's a beautiful thrower. I think his workout is going to be really, really fun to watch because he, you know, when he's not pressured, he can he can put a football anywhere he wants. The, the problem comes when he's asked to move his feet, when he's asked to flip his hips. That's when some of the problems come in. He is a Matt Miller of ESPN at NFL Draft Scout. You can find him on the social media platform X. Live from the NFL Combine. Before I let you go, normally somebody completely jumps off the page and has an incredible workout. You talk about Anthony Richardson, that a year ago at the quarterback position. Give me some names that you're really looking forward to do their work here and who could be the star of stars during this 2024 NFL Combine. Yeah, I mentioned his name earlier, but I think Nate Wiggins, the corner from Clemson, has a he might be the fastest player here. And to do that at six foot two is is outstanding. You know, normally we don't see that from someone with his size and length to be as fast as he is. So he's that player where you watch the tape, it's a little uneven at times, but a, a press man corner who can move like that is really, really attractive to the team. So he's he's one of those guys that can have a huge week and jump up. Chop Robinson, the pass rusher from Penn State, one of the best names in the draft, also one of the best athletes at 6'3", probably going to be a little bit under 250, but he's going to work out exceptionally well and I mean, could solidify a, a first-round grade for him with a big week here. It's uh, Matt Miller in town for the NFL Combine. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So you get this Indiana mixture of weather. You get some 70-degree days, and then uh, you get some storms, and then it goes down to the 30s. And then by the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be back up in the 70s. Welcome to Indiana again. So, yeah, I'm from Missouri. This is normal. I left home, it was 80 <laughs> degrees today, and, and my allergies are reminded me of it. So uh, I'm used to it. I've... I've done live shots at the Combine in sleet and snow, and I, I've done it in warm weather. So it's it's part of the indie experience, and I'm excited for it. I go back to doing my shows on Radio Row when it was at Lucas Oil Stadium, and Radio Row was right there inside the, the, in the cap. Hallway. Yeah, yeah, right there in the, in the hall, hallway. And then I'd be done at about 6, and it, nobody would be there. And every time they opened up the door, the wind would just blow your papers everywhere and crap. So I go back when it was not the big deal that it is today so i've been coming since 2012 and and so it's it's been fascinating to watch it grow and change and you know five six seven hundred media members credential now it's it's a different world for sure man i appreciate you as always enjoy your time here at indy we'll do it again soon man 
Appreciate you. Thank you so much. You got it. Matt Miller right there, ESPN. That's at NFL Draft Scout. All you need to know, the ESPN NFL Draft Analyst and Insider on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline Radio Row. We're at the NFL Combine today. Me and you on the other side, Pacers-Pelicans later on tonight. I'll be at that game. We'll talk about that game coming up as well. Don't go anywhere. Live from the 2024 NFL Combine, it's the Wednesday edition of this show. Don't go anywhere. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. What did you say? I said we need a water break. You need a water break. Water is for cowards. Water makes you weak. Water is for washing blood off that uniform, and you don't get no blood on my uniform. Boy, you must be outside your mind. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, live at the convention center, it is the 2024 NFL Combine. Matt Miller is always really good. We want to thank the ESPN NFL Draft Guru for that breakdown for us. If you missed any of it, the podcast is at 107.5thefan.com inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. And this via email, JMV, the last eclipse in 2017, I was out in Oregon on vacation. The path of totality. I love that line. The path of totality, the center of the path, came through south of Portland down toward Bend, Oregon. So we left Bend the day before the eclipse going up to Portland, and the traffic going south towards Bend was almost bumper to bumper all the way. There were farm fields down near Bend that were turned into eclipse cities. They painted Camping, parking spots in fields, hundreds of porta potties and set up in fields and everywhere. Lots of people in Indiana on a sunny day if it happens around here coming up in April, especially just south of Indy, down around Lake Lemon and Lake Monroe, which will be in the path of totality. I love that line, the path of totality. Since you live down that way, you might see a lot of traffic in your area. That is from Monty. Love the show, Monty. Thank you very much. Matt Taylor brought that up a little bit earlier. I know that I was talking to Ted Bishop at Legends about doing a live show out there. I believe that day is the National Championship Monday, too. But it sounds outstanding enough to me. That is something that's on the schedule coming up. Obviously, we got a huge schedule coming up in the month of March. It is going to be so much basketball. And I always love it, too, because we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. We will again this year with Brent Halverson and Heaven Hill Distillery at O'Reilly's down downtown that is always an incredible afternoon to say the least but yeah i know we got one more day after this of february during leap year but month of march around here is going to be spectacular iu will win over wisconsin last night talked about that and some of the major differences that you saw in that win last night by iu than what you have seen really with any level of consistency whatsoever this year it wasn't just about khalil ware doing what he did last night it was the overall consistent higher level effort that let's just face it if you watch them this year hasn't always been there Really, it's been there. It hasn't been there as much as it hasn't, right? And you got what IU fans have been wanting to see. Obviously, you want to see them win, but you want to see them play hard and consistently do that. Last night, I thought for the most part, you absolutely saw that in that win over Wisconsin. Fire alarm went off about 19 minutes, and I didn't even know what was going on. Now, social media told you. 
Um, ultimately, they told you before you found out on Peacock, but a fire alarm went off. 54 all. I think what a little over 10 minutes to go, somewhere in that neighborhood in the second half, and they evacuated Assembly Hall just for a couple of minutes, brought everybody back in. And I would, too. We got a little time a little bit later on this hour, and, of course, next hour. If anybody was at that game as a fan last night, I'm curious whether you decided to go back in and watch or maybe you even took off. I'd uh, love to hear what you thought was going on last night during that game. But IU wins. That's something we discussed a little bit earlier. The New Orleans Pelicans are in town tonight. Uh, Pelicans and Pacers tonight at 7.30. Pelicans a winner last night over the New York Knicks. This is a second of a back-to-back. So the question marks as of about 30 minutes ago, uh, according to the uh, Pelicans' X-handle, uh, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Trey Murphy the third, and C.J. McCollum, they are all listed as questionable coming up later on tonight. And if you missed the news regarding Aaron Neesmith, Aaron Neesmith is listed as questionable. He had been listed as out until now, and we'll see uh, exactly what goes down. Coming up a little bit later on tonight, again, 7.30 tonight because it's national. Again, 6.30, actually 7P. Check that 7P for your coverage beginning right here, much like it will on Bally Sports Indiana because our good friends at Bally Sports Indiana, Pacers TV also active tonight. The voice of the Pacers, Kristen Airy, joins us. You know where I'm going to be tuned in, don't you, brother? I know. I know you'll have uh, Bally Sports on, so we appreciate that. We uh we look forward to doing it. That's the good news. When you're on with ESPN, you're able to go side-by-side, side, uh, so we're able to do that tonight. All right. Um, have you heard anything regarding availability, Aaron Neesmith availability? And then you kind of wonder, second of a back-to-back with New Orleans and then getting in so early this morning around 6 a.m. because of flight difficulties, you kind of wonder what type of role that's going to play for them this evening. Yeah, I have not heard anything on Neesmith with it being a uh, back-to-back, no practice yesterday. Uh, they have a shoot, uh, a walkthrough today. So we'll we'll learn more at about uh, 545 when Rick Carlisle meets with the media. Um, as far as the Pelicans are concerned, you know, they have a number of guys listed as questionable. Uh, Ingram uh, returned last night but sprained his ankle early in that game. It was a very impressive win for the Pelicans. Uh, they're playing against a, a New York team that had a number of guys out, but still, uh, you know, an impressive win. They're, they're a very talented team. So we'll just have to wait in the next hour plus, John, to find out who's in, who's out for both teams. Um, it's Kristen Airy with us. Did we really see in that second of the back-to-back that loss to Toronto uh, the, the other night, did we really see in that thumbnail sketch of a game just how necessary Aaron Neesmith and his return to availability is for this team? I think so. There's no question. It just gives the Pacers more depth. And, you know, it was not the type of game that, that you see from Tyrese Halliburton. It's probably one of the poor games of his Pacers career, and he's had very few of those. I expect him to bounce back tonight. I mean, every time he's had, a, you know, a so-called poor game where he's been in single digits, that next game he's come out and played very, very well. So, uh, yeah, you, you – you, as you move toward the end of the season, and especially as March starts uh, this weekend, uh, the Pacers play 10 of their 15 games in March on the road. So they'll need to be as healthy as possible 
uh, to make this playoff push. I mean, John, you look at both the East and the West. I mean, Indiana is only two games out of fourth, and that's where New York is right now. And they've got the tiebreaker with the Knicks and the tiebreaker with Philadelphia. So uh, you, you win a few games and you can really climb up in the standings. You lose a few games and you can drop back. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, you, you watch just what happened last night to see that. And that looks like the bad news. But as you mentioned, too, if you were to able to get get on a run of any kind, then you significantly move up. And, and honestly, Chris, it looks like that it's going to be a, a logjam of sorts with these teams from here on out to the end of the regular season. Yeah, because, uh, you know, the last thing that you really want to do is be in the play. And now I, I would say this. From a Pacer standpoint, when the season started, you know, most people were looking at the play-in. You know, that your next your next step in progress is from going outside of the playoffs to getting into the play-in to hopefully getting into the playoffs. This is a team now that they fall into eighth, but they're only a half game out of sixth and a few, you know, what, a game and a half out of fifth. So, yeah. uh, you know, y- your focus is trying to be in that top six uh, to guarantee you a playoff spot. And, you know, right now there's a pretty pretty good gap between eight and nine. I think it's four and a half or five and a half games with Chicago. But from four to eight, it's a two-game uh, two spread. So it's going to be fascinating to, to follow these last six weeks, these last 20-plus games. Every game is going to be so meaningful. Uh, you look at, uh, in April, that game with Miami at Gamebridge Fieldhouse will be very important because the winner of that game uh, will win the season series. Uh, the Pacers have already, I think, maybe I said they've won the series, uh, the season series with the Knicks in Philadelphia. So in a tiebreaker situation, that's huge. They've already lost the uh, se- uh, season series with Orlando. So uh, all of these games are going to be super important when it comes down to playoff positioning. It's our Chris Denary, voice of the Pacers, Bally Sports, Indiana. They got you covered coming up later on tonight. Now, obviously, it's a nationally televised game. But 7.30, tip time, 7 p.m., your coverage. Bally will be a part of it with that pregame show beginning at 7 p. As well, of course, you can hear it right here on 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. There are a lot of things, and I know it's easy for me to sit here and tear it apart. There are a lot of things that stood out to me in that Toronto game. But one factor that we have seen a couple of different times, and I really hate it when Rick Carlisle says it because it kind of justifies me thinking it while watching it. There have been more than a couple of times this season, especially in the second of a back-to-back, where the Pacers have been outworked, out-hustled, if you will, out-efforted. And you know, beyond you know, just losing to teams that are below you, teams you should take care of at home, I think that's what sticks with me, Chris, more than anything else. And I hope that that can change at some point. I don't know if maybe this team, that's just their M.O. and that's who they are. But if you're going to change something with this group down the stretch of the regular season, I would like to see that be it. Yeah, because that that ultimately is why the fan base and why this team, you know, has, I think, done the things they've done is, you know, they outwork teams. I mean, they're the best offensive team in the NBA, no question about that. But, you know, the disappointing thing was seeing Toronto run up and down the floor. Now, that's what they've done uh, coming out of the All-Star break. They've been very good in transition and fast break situations. But, you know, all the points that they scored in the paint, they had 74 
Uh, I think they had 26 fast break points. Uh, that's hard to overcome, and yet in the fourth quarter, it looked like the Pacers might have a chance to win the game. But, yeah, they've got to be collectively better. And, and I also think this team, John, is better when the scoring is spread out. And uh, I, I say that is when they have six or seven players in double figures, their winning percentage is much higher than when they have four or five. Now, you had great games offensively from Matherin and Siakam, but you just didn't have enough balance uh, on Monday night against Toronto. So hopefully that's what we'll see tonight, and we'll see the Pacers uh, do a much better job, you know, spreading the wealth around. And that starts with Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, you know, he was limited to just seven assists on Monday, and that's very unlike him. Yeah, it just all the way around. Chris, I mentioned this yesterday. It was odd, and I know that evidently Toronto did some different things. I just don't think they did anything that was profound defensively to try to take away Halliburton. I thought that he just had a struggling game. But the one thing that stood out is the ball, as Rick has mentioned, stuck. It was sticking, and I think it started the game sticking. I mean, even on those high ball screen and roll situations, more times than not, if it was Halliburton, if it was Nimhart, if it was Matherin, I mean, there really wasn't a a look at the roller or the guy slipping the screen. If it's Miles, it was mostly these guys taking it to the goal, taking it to the rim, and I think that just kind of leads. To me, I think they play at their highest level when you can tell in those first few possessions that the ball is snapping and moving around and it just didn't seem like they had that Monday night to start the game offensively against Toronto no and and I think you know I could sense it early is the same shots that they were making Sunday night early against Dallas they were not making on Monday against Toronto and then you have you know Ben Shepard hit five of five from three on Sunday now you're not going to do that every night but he really struggled. Obi Toppin's been a better than 50% three-point shooter over the last couple of weeks. He went 0 for 5. So all of those things that were going well on Sunday in a very impressive win against Dallas were not the same things uh, that were going well for the Pacers on Monday. And, and I'll say this, and, and for me it'll be interesting to see, I think Toronto will be making a push to get in the play-in. Uh, they're only a few games behind Atlanta. Atlanta's now without Trey Young for the better part of the next four or six weeks. Um, I think Toronto is talented enough to get there. And, and when you look at them, and again, they had Ananobi, they had Siakam, but now they've got R.J. Barrett and Quickly and Scotty Barnes that some, sometimes I look at them and go, how, are, how have they only won 21 games? And I think they are trying to prove – in the final 20 games of the year that they deserve to be in the play-in and that they're a better team uh, than maybe we've evaluated throughout the year. One of the games to watch tonight will be them at home tonight with Dallas and the Mavericks on the second out of a back-to-back after losing that heartbreaker last night on uh, the Max Struess uh, half-court three at the buzzer. Yeah, that was uh, brutal for them. Great for Cleveland right there, by the way. But absolutely a brutal way to lose a game last night with Struess from beyond half court. Yeah, he hit five threes, John, I think, in the last three minutes of that game. 
Um, and he's been he's been a terrific pickup for Cleveland. You know, we have not seen Cleveland since very early in the year. The Pacers beat them uh, in Cleveland and then also beat them in an in-season tournament game at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Uh, they're a much different team. I think they've won 19 or 20 of 23 or 24. They're playing at a really high level, and that's why they're so high right now uh, in the Eastern Conference. Chuck Cristinari, voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports Indiana is action tonight, in action, I should say, tonight. Seven o'clock underway. That tip tonight from the field house is at uh, seven thirty. Give me some things you want to see this team pick up on in the final handful of games of the regular season, and some things that you've really been impressed by with this team. And it doesn't necessarily have to be out of the All Star break, but just in general, consistent terms this year, Chris. Well, I do think they've got to be. Uh, better in a fast break situation those numbers have tumbled a little bit of late uh they led the nba in fast break points last year they're still top five but i think in the last 10 15 games they're only averaging about 13 fast break points they only had 11 against toronto this team is really effective when they're in the 20s uh and and i just think uh you know that starts with tyrese halliburton that starts with them you know, getting out in transition, whether make or miss, getting some easy baskets. Uh, so I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Um, I, I do think, you know, except for a quarter here or a quarter there, and I know they gave up 130 uh, to Toronto on Monday, I do think their defense has been better. Has it been great? No. Um, has it been good? Well, I, maybe not good, but it's been good enough. Um, and, and I think if you look over the last 25, 26 games, I think their defensive rating is right around 17, 17 or 18. And through the first 25 games, they were dead last. So I, I think that has gotten better, but it's got to be more consistent. Uh, you can't give up a 40-point quarter like you gave to Toronto in the fourth of uh, the other night. So. I, I think stringing more of those good defensive quarters together uh, like they did against Dallas on Sunday, if they can continue to do that and improve, and getting Aaron Neesmith back will help immensely uh, if he's available to go tonight. Um, I, I think they've been a little bit better than maybe we've given them credit for, but then they have a game like the Toronto game where they give up 130. I thought that they would win 45 this year, and evidently they're still on a path to be able to do that. Yet oftentimes, Chris, after a loss like Monday, um, I've been disappointed, and I have talked about being disappointed on the air. I'm curious where this team is right now. Before the start of the season, and I know that things have changed, and certainly Pascal Siakam coming here in that trade has been a big one. Did you expect them to be where they are presently? I thought that they would – I was hopeful that they would win in the low 40s, that they'd be somewhere just over 500, 42-40, uh, You know, that's that, that was my sort of thought process – an improvement of six or seven games uh, from last year. And think about this, John. They were 14 and 14 back at Christmas, and they've gone 19 and 12 since. Um, you know, a majority of those games they played without Tyrese Halliburton, uh, especially on that West Coast trip. And I think they did a much better job without him this year than we saw last year. 
Uh, last year they played 26 games without Halliburton. They were 7-19. and 19. They played 13 games without him this year. They're 7-6. and six. So I, I do think there's been a lot of positives uh, since uh, the turn of the new year. They've just got to be more consistent. And, and as you said, it's disappointing when you have such a good win like you have on Sunday against Dallas and you come back on the second out of a back-to-back and you can't get it done. So, you know, that'll be something to watch the rest of the year. There's only two more back-to-backs. One of those is a back-to-back in L.A. against the Clippers and the Lakers. Again, they have a lot of road games coming up, but this team hasn't – they've been pretty decent on the road this year. So, uh, all in all, I I think they're in a pretty good place. Uh, You know, they were six the other night. You wake up today, they're an eighth. They win tonight, they could be sixth again. Um, I think that's just what you're going to see in the West and the East over the next six weeks. You're going to see a lot of teams ping-ponging back and forth, and it's those teams that can put good stretches together will solidify them in four, five, or six. No, no, and I I completely agree. I felt Sunday, Chris, watching that game against Dallas, that that was their most impressive start-to-finish win because they they did against a team that had won seven consecutive. They did against a playoff-caliber team out west. I mean, high-level playoff-caliber team. They did what you look for in the postseason that was like a level of play in the postseason and for them to drop off as substantially as they did from one game to the next like that on Monday that's why I was so disappointed in it all yeah I think I think the biggest thing you have to do as players is not look at records because even those teams with poor records still have some pretty good players and they want to prove something and so they've just got to They've got to do a better job of that, um, and, and they're going to have some games still the rest of the way with teams that don't have good records, and those are the games that you have to take advantage of. And again, like Monday night, you hate to – I don't want to say you give that one away, but your expectation is they beat you the first time back in November. Now, Pascal Siakam was a part of that. That's a game you really need to win. But, you know, Rick Carlisle, the one thing that he says, he goes – he does not focus on the past. He's got to focus on the future, and that's what they have to do tonight against a New Orleans team that's playing really well right now, John. They've won nine of their last yeah. 12. Yeah, I mean, and really, too, I know they have a bunch of question marks, but they are a loaded team from really both sides of it. I mean, they play a little bit of defense, too. They can mix that in. But they can score at a high volume and a very athletically gifted team, too. Yeah, all I remember is uh, when I think about this is I don't know if you remember the game last year, and I think it was before uh, the trades that sent Irving to Dallas and Durant to Phoenix. Remember when Brooklyn came into Gamebridge Fieldhouse and they literally had three or four of their top players out and Cam Thomas went crazy yeah. and the Nets right. beat the Pacers? Um, yep. that's, that's always available out there, and – it's not just Indiana. If you look across the league, there are games where you just scratch your head and go, wow, I, I never saw that one coming. So that, that's the thing. There are so many games being played that uh, you, you, just, you just can't look at records because there's guys on the other team, as they say, they're pros too. They're paid to play. But you, you've got to make sure you guard against that. And, you know, I, I just look back at that Brooklyn game last year 
And, uh, you know, that bit the Pacers in the butt. 7.30 tip time, 7 o'clock. Bally Sports, Indiana, and the voice of the Pacers, Kristen Aries on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'm going to tonight, so there ought to be a little bit of magic in the building. I'll be there. Oh, good to know JMB will be in the house, so we look forward to it, John. All right, buddy. Good to talk with you. Have a great broadcast. All right, thanks, John. It's uh, Kristen Airy, Bally Sports, Indiana. Later on tonight, yeah, sad news today in the world of entertainment. Actually, a couple of different times, wrestling fans will remember the wrestler Virgil. He passed away. It was announced earlier today. And then comedic fans and fans of Curb Your Enthusiasm certainly know Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis, stand-up comedian extraordinaire, and was also a huge part of the Larry David effort, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Richard Lewis has reportedly passed away today at the age of 76. Now, if you remember a year ago, Lewis announced, that was back in April, I think, he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and was retiring from stand-up comedy, but... He had been a part of, and I've been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm this season, the final season. He has been part, at least, of, of the episodes that I have seen him. One episode, at least, uh, he has been a part of it. Richard Lewis passed away a little bit earlier today, which is incredible sad news. So Virgil, the wrestler, and uh, Richard Lewis, the comedian. They both passed away earlier today in sad news. We're live from the Combine. We'll get back to that coming up at the top of the hour. Kevin Bowen's going to join us. And the NFL Players Association report card was not good at all for a lot of what the Colts do. We'll talk about that coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. 93-51075, the fan. The Ride with JMV. Fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. We're inside the Indiana Convention Center. Uh, Wednesday, the lone day, thank goodness, of the week. I'm going to be here at the NFL Combine. Having a blast, as you can tell. Matt Miller of ESPN a little bit earlier. We talked to Kristen Airy. Of course, you got the Pelicans and the Pacers tonight. Gambridge Fieldhouse. Remember that tip time's at 7.30. So, 7 o'clock underway right here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, it's on ESPN. And, of course, because it's on ESPN, you can also see it, as you normally do, on Bally Sports Indiana with Chris and the crew tonight. Again, Pelicans and Pacers at Gambridge Fieldhouse. Any availability for Aaron Neesmith? Smith tonight and the question marks on a late arriving group from New York in terms of the Pelicans as well. Some questionables we'll see if they participate tonight, I'm assuming, coming up at some point within the hour. Chris Ballard met with the media a little bit earlier today. Iowa win over Wisconsin last night. The fire alarm goes off. We got that and more to hit up. And somebody who absolutely loves, just like I do, loves the NFL combine. I mean, really, just two dudes with a deeply rooted love slash lust for the NFL combine. The morning show is Sweebo. That's KB and Andy, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Kevin Bowen joins us. Did you just, could you not get enough this morning? Did you love it? <laughs> we'll be back there tomorrow and, and Friday. You know Ian Rappaport today? 
No, this whole thing sucks. I wish they would have lost my. I, I was upset when they actually found my credential. <laughs> so, well, you can jQuery it from I, last year and just leave it at home. No, I was looking for any excuse to go back. <laughs> Unfortunately, I go, ah, oh, man. But, but I did get down here at noon. How about that? I got down here at noon. I, I've been here yeah. since noon. It's funny. I was walking to Ballard's press conference, and I look over at the table, and I'm like, wow, that's a crowded table over there. Okay, there's Jimmy. <laughs> All right, there's Jake. Oh, Charles Davis. Nice. Wait, is that J of V is here at 1245 in the afternoon? I'm thinking he's got to be so pissed. Oh, I love this event. This is so fun, especially right now. So, like, Rex Hampton just said, hey, I really like the guy behind you sweeping up. I said I know it. <laughs> well, mic him up in a minute here. See what he thinks about things. Hey, before we get into what Ballard said, and I want to remind everybody, you guys are going to have Ballard coming up tomorrow. Now, is he going to just come back exclusively to be on your show tomorrow? Uh, like, do you are you asking if he has like any other duties? Right. Is he just coming tomorrow? back to be on with you guys? No, I, I would assume slash hope. No, 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 no. No, he's coming back exclusively to be on your show. Oh. All right, position that the way you need to position that. Yeah, I, I probably should market that a little bit better. Yes, exclusively. He will be driving from Westfield downtown tomorrow <laughs> just for us at 930 tomorrow. He's got nothing else from a meeting or business standpoint to take care of it all see i was thinking about this here's another really good angle you guys can take because you guys are both non-showers in the morning because you guys get to gotta get up so early and you wear hats can both of you guys wear flat billed hats tomorrow just like you will i was gonna say he loves that I, I don't even know what you would call the font but he loves that that newer looking colt's flat ball i, I want to say that's like the only one he's really rocked since it is. Oh, maybe since training camp. Um, so, yeah, he, he seems to have found – I don't know if it's his lucky hat or, you know, we all found the hat that really fits us well. So, yeah, yeah I thought – is this Chris Ballard or – is this like Chris Ballard or Blink-182 or Travis Pastrana? Who is this guy over here? Yeah, it looks like Kevin Bowen in college scrambling for the flat bill there. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe off the text. I know Andy's going to be at Hinkle late tonight. Maybe he can grab a Butler flat bill on the way out. Sweepo, Sweepo's at Hinkle. Sweepo's at Hinkle trying to give the the dogs a little bit of a lift, huh? Well, you know why he's there. Was like Louisville playing? Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm just he's just... got his boy. Got his boy on the other sideline, Ricky P. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that makes a lot. That makes a lot more sense now. I'm sorry. I, 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 I was just joking. I obviously knew Louisville wasn't playing up there. That was more of a joke than anything. So yeah. So I, I didn't. Are they tight? He and uh, Ricky well, P. from St. John's. I don't know. If, I don't know if him and Ricky P. are super, super close, but I think him and Ricky P.'s posse making the drive up 65 from from Louisville. I don't know if they're going. Oh God! You know, bulldog before the game, or if they're going Chatham Tap before the game. Or, oh, that's that's uh, definitely an Italian restaurant before the game maneuver right there. Yeah, maybe uh, Ambrosia before the game. I'm trying to think of Mama Corolla's. We got some options in that uh, yeah, general area. Yeah, have that have that 12 second meal wherever you are <laughs> over there. Well, <laughs> well, a lot of dessert with that meal. I think for Ricky P is probably how he would, <laughs> he, he would appreciate it described. 
Ricky P. Hey, we will get to that coming up in a minute because I want to mention Indiana State at Evansville tonight. Now you from last night with the fire alarm going off. But, hey, help me out with this for a moment, too. Uh, the NFLPA report card uh, looked very similar to my report card at Indiana State in 1992. Outside of <laughs> Shane Steichen's grade, I mean, that, that was essentially my grade in the history of Western film in 1992. But outside of the Steichen grade, there were some uglies on there, of course according to the NFLPA. There were. I was. I went back and looked at last year's report cards. It's now year two they've done this. And I remember last year, like, the grades were pretty low, kind of around the entire league. And so you kind of had to look at, like, okay, where are they ranked 1 to 32? I mean, Colts were a lot higher. I want to say, what was the one that they really dropped in? Was it uh, – was that like the, how they treat their families? Maybe they were like fifth last year, and now this year they're like I don't know, deep into the twenties. Do, um, do we know what that entails? Do we know what what, what, well, what does it entail? How do you get graded upon that? Yeah, it was specifically one of the things listed was the Colts are one of seven teams that don't provide in stadium daycare for the kids on the team. Which <laughs> part of me wants to raise my hand and be like, "Welcome to." Uh, 2024 life. Uh, daycare shortages just... are abound, people. No matter how oh, God. you are, I guess. Uh, but then also part of me is like, oh, damn, that seems like a rather easy fix. I mean, there has to yeah. be, I, I don't know, a handful of people that would love to do that on a Sunday afternoon, and I would assume get paid pretty handsomely if it would keep me off the old NFLPA report card there. So I think that was one of the, I, I don't know, glaring issues, a lack of quantity in the training room from a staff standpoint I uh, felt like they need some more bodies in there I think they might have uh, not been overly pleased with I, I maybe it's like the quality of the weight room equipment or the spacing of the weight room which that, that was a big project Chris Ballard uh, undertook a couple of years ago <laughs> in remodeling that and, and really moving it within the facility and it's a much different looking space than it was previously um, at the end of the day, John, I probably do side with Ballard a little bit and think some of it's a tad overblown. Um, yeah. You know, and again, if you look league-wide, a lot of teams have some pretty poor grades. Now, having said that, there are certainly some things on that list that would seem like pretty easy fixes. Others might be more difficult. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's a hindrance on keeping free agents and or attracting free agents. Oh, you got to love it. The food in the cafeteria with the sea. That's not good. And that was another big thing. I mean, those are probably Ballard's two biggest projects early on was strength and conditioning, nutrition, weight room. I mean, he overhauled it like no other. So that stuff probably does bother him. I don't know how much he cares about the lack of, you know, Peppa Pig and Daniel Tiger on in the kid playroom at Lucas Oil Stadium, but uh, that other stuff he's got to be frustrated by. I know, and then uh, yeah, that was with the uh, that was during the Rusty Jones era. Now you're going to move on from the Rusty Jones era, so you got to find you got trip to light fantastic on this now. Yeah, and somebody I, I saw they hired that dude from the um, from the Eagles to be their new strength coach. Um, did you ever run across or know David Blau at all? Do you remember that name started at Avon and then Kevin Wright took him down to IMG, played football at IU, was at Notre Dame, and then ended up at Bama. He was Bama's strength coach. Uh, someone was telling me that 
uh, he had interviewed for the job and 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 you know wanted it, and the Colts were like, "No, we're going to keep our other strength members on staff." If you look at the other guys within that uh, program, they 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 kept them there, um, and Blau wanted to bring his own crew there, but that would have been another kind of local tie. Uh, on to Shane Steichen staff, like Brian Mason, special yeah. teams wise, but they elected to go in a different direction. Is he um, is he married to a former IU assistant coach, in women's basketball too? Is that the guy you're talking about? Or am I, I feel wrong like on he's that? Married to a former athlete, and for some reason, I feel I think he was a fullback at IU, and I and I feel like she might have done something athletically at IU, but I don't know if women's basketball coach. It's like B A L L O U. Huh? huh. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I have a vague recollection. I guess I I need to keep track of the strength and conditioning guys more than I do. That's a hole in my sure. game, Kev. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that's why I wanted to preface with a little bit of context there. And I mean, I, I guess to be fair, it seems like more of a college job that matters more, just with the time they yeah. spend with those guys. And I mean, hell. When Nick Saban covets you and, and you're the head of their strength program for a couple of years and Kalen DeBoer's kept them on, it's obviously a pretty big deal. So, uh, yeah, that was a guy that I guess was rumored to be uh, having some interest in the Colts gig and getting back to the Midwest, but didn't like what he was totally hearing. All right, uh, Kevin Bowen, the morning show. That's uh, Sweebo coming up tomorrow morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Inside the glorious Hoosier Corridor J. They will have uh, exclusively Chris Ballard. And the only reason he's coming back over here, the only reason he's making the walk whatsoever and getting stuck in the elevator with Matt Conti and being six minutes late is because of the morning wake-up call with Sweebo tomorrow morning. So what time? 9.30. If you could cut that tease for us, that would be great. That was beautiful, beautifully yes. done by you. Thank you. A trio of flat-billed hats will be sitting right here tomorrow morning, <laughs> which should be absolutely fantastic. I, I expected, and I'm assuming you did too, but you can answer it straight up, that what he said about Michael Pittman Jr. was exactly the thought process going into it. Yeah, you know, Andy and I talked about it today. You know, when you hear – Cincinnati tagging T. Higgins earlier in the week, their explanation of it, their message behind it has sounded a little different. It's like, yeah, we're happy to have him back, but it's nothing long-term. It's nothing, you know, we're excited to have him for the future. None of that is in the quotes from Zach Taylor or Duke Tobin or any of that. Uh, But then yesterday, when you heard, you know, the Kansas City GM Brett Beach and Baltimore's GM Eric Costa, when they talked about their tag candidates, you heard a little bit more of the, if we don't get a deal done, we will tag that player. It sounds like that's going to be the case for Michael Pittman Jr. He will definitely be a Colt in 2024. The Colts do have control here in terms of they can place a tag on him if they'd want. And now over the next six days, we'll obviously see when that uh, franchise tag window closes on Tuesday if they can get a a long-term deal done with them. But, yeah, to me, this is the expectation all along. Ballard loves him. I think Shane Steichen's a big fan of him as well. And, And really the Colts are kind of backed into a corner as well in terms of not having a lot of wiggle room and, you know, great depth at wide out or, you know, a massive free agency pool they can dip into. Uh, there's just no realistic plan B besides bringing Pittman back. All right. Hey, by the way, too, we'll close the book on, on David Blue is who you brought up. Uh, evidently, according to my friend Doug Wigan, he's good friends with a friend of mine, Kevin Koontz. And I now I, I know where I saw that name is because Kevin Koontz had told me 
that he was actually interviewing for this job a couple of weeks ago. I think he told me when I was on the verge of being sick, and I don't know if I have much memory for like three days over that span, but that's what he was telling me. So David Blue, I think you pronounce it Blue, is is uh, yeah, totally the guy that you were talking about. Of- yeah. Yeah, and that's that's okay. I mean, it's spelled a little bit different. I would have butchered it. I mean, everybody knows that. I would have butchered it. But I, I did. I was thinking. All right, I know who you're talking about. I've heard of this person. Where what did I hear from it? And and that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, and looking at the picture of him, I I, I probably don't want to butcher that last name anymore. But yeah, I've heard rave rave reviews, and uh, you know, again, the Colts elected to go in a little Shane Steichen Eagles background direction instead of bringing one back home. Gotcha. So thank you, Doug, for that and Kevin Coons. And now I'm absolutely reminded of him sending me that a couple of weeks ago. It's Kevin Bowen on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Anything else from what Ballard had to say, either in front of everybody or with you guys off to the side afterwards uh, moving forward? Obviously, he also mentioned something about Jim Ursay earlier, too. Yeah, you know, he said that him and Shane Steichen have had, you know, several uh, interactions with with uh, Jim, uh, so he did share that news. Again, you know, John, I think people just assume with the combine here that Jim Mercy is usually pretty front and center. I, I can't recall outside of one time he did a press conference at the team complex kind of vouching for the for the future of the combine to stay here. I can't uh, recall many times he's ever really been super front-facing at the combine. So, you know, again, next time we could see Ursay. I know that's a popular question I get. You know, we're about a month away from the league meetings in Orlando. Will that be more of a Carly Ursay presence? That would be, you know, different than the norm. She always is there, but Jim usually meets with the media there. And then the draft, Saturday of the draft is when uh, he always pops his head in and uh, into the Colts media room. And um, we're in there day three of the draft, usually during a quiet time. And he kind of gives a bit of a state of the union uh, on a pretty annual draft basis. So those would be the next uh, times to, you know, potentially keep an eye out for. Or I guess that would be something that would be, you know, against the norm if we don't see him in either of those two settings. You know, Ballard, I think, is a little bit more um, optimistic about his tight end room than I think some other people are. Uh, he was asked specifically about that group today. He's obsessed, I think it's fair to say, with the wide receiver draft depth in this year's class compared it to the year actually Michael Pittman came out in 2020, which Pittman, I think, was the sixth or seventh wideout taken that year. So really likes that group. Um you know, the Anthony Richardson comments, he didn't want to put too much stock into the, you know, oh, boy, Anthony's ahead of schedule. And I, I kind of agree with him on that. Like, you know, it's mid-February. You know, the first real date that matters this offseason for Richardson is probably mid-May, you know, when you get out there for OTAs. And even then, you can debate how important that is. I think it'd be nice if he could get out there for those dozen or so practices in the spring. But, you know, the fact that he's got three months to – you know, start his throwing again, which he did a couple weeks ago, and then continue that, you know, into the month of May. I, I, would, I would think that leaves a pretty good amount of time for him to uh, to ramp it up. Um, those are probably the things that stood out. Sounds like he definitely wants to bring back Kenny Moore. How that exactly looks, we'll see. And uh, those are probably some of the big things that stood out to me. 
Hey, you can you can take this for you if you want to tomorrow. Even Swebo can use it. But I would love, and, and if you wanted, if it sounds really stupid, and it is stupid, uh, you can go ahead and frame it up as I ask. But will you tell him tomorrow that you, you really, or, or somebody you know really wants to see them uh, do the best they can to trade up for Marvin Harrison Jr., even though there's no way in hell they're going to do that, and they don't even probably have enough to try to do it? Would you bring that up in the conversation for me tomorrow since – I'm probably going to go a couple of years without talking to him. <laughs> a, a, a couple of a couple of the eight years, by the way, he's been here. So yes. Yeah, I might I might leave that for my co-host. You know, he'll be yes. fresh out of Hinkle. Fresh well, out of the yeah, and, and Kev, hey Kev, I know you got to run here, but just like, don't even tell Andy it may rub Chris the wrong way. Just say, hey, I, I, you should ask this, Andy. All right. Just like, because you're right, he's going to go and he's going to be with his buddies tonight, and all of Northern Kentucky is going to be up here, you know, with their Turtle Man shirts on, celebrating the fact there's running water and flushing toilets, and everybody's going to be excited at Hinkle later on tonight. So just kind of slip that in tomorrow and see if he'll have him lead with it. Okay, okay. You don't think that could derail things? We shouldn't keep that till the end. Oh no, I think that'll be okay. Don't you think? Don't you think you'd be okay with that? Ballard answered a couple Marvin Harrison related questions today. Did you happen to catch that? Was that you in the background that, that happened? For I was. I was nights? back. I was back there, but I I have trouble here. I couldn't hear really anything that was happening. Yeah, they were asked about you know Harrison not working out and what does that mean and you know I eventually you know, Ballard didn't really love that type of question. He wants, of course, all these guys to work out, but eventually he got to the point where saying, well, you know, he's Marvin Harrison. Yeah, that's. That, that's why he doesn't need to, you know, do the workouts here. And it doesn't sound like he's going to do them at, at, at his pro day either. Just trade up. Just trade up and get him. Don't do it. Don't trade back for your value stuff. All right. We've had, what, eight years of that? Was this year eight? Am I right about that? Year eight? This is – he is heading into year eight. Yes, this is his eighth oh, combine incredible. as Colts general manager. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty amazing. That's a uh, very long tenure right there, if you know what I mean. It is. It's a very long tenure, to say the least. Yep, but uh, without a uh, a gargantuan amount of results, it's probably fair to say as well. <laughs> That's what you say. So you're going into year number eight, and you have one playoff win. How do you rectify this? That's that's one for Sweebo tomorrow. Start with that. Jotting down questions for Andy, questions for Kevin. We'll see how it how it goes at nine thirty tomorrow. I love it. You want to join no. us? You want to come back to the combine? You can. <laughs> no, no, that would make it a lot worse. I think we know that. So yes, that would make it a lot worse. I'm in there for you, though. Hey, exclusively, the only reason why he's coming back over here is to be on with you guys as a station because we're a family. That makes me feel really good. Well done. Well does. Thank you for that for that promo. Uh, sorry about Shane Steichen with you today. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where do we start? Sorry about Shane Steichen. Sorry about Ian Rappaport. So I'm going to go interview the hot dog vendor here in a little bit before the end of the show. <laughs> I think Chris Gall's office from Visit Indies down the hallway if you want to go try that. I, I love Gall. Gall would sprint down here to be on the show, too. We love him for that. Love us some uh, Gall. He, he is outstanding. All right, brother. I know you got to get out of here. I appreciate you as always. Good seeing you. I hope this sickness doesn't continue to affect you and have a hell of a time with Chris Ballard. 930 tomorrow morning, right? 
Yes, sir. Thank you, John. Glad to hear you're feeling better. You get- Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Kevin Bowen, the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. Exclusively with Chris Ballard at 9.30 tomorrow morning. Seriously, it's the only reason why he's coming back over here. Uh, he did mention, and I was at the press conference earlier, and and with my hearing, I could hear a little bit of what was coming through the speaker, but I couldn't hear any of the questions that were being asked. Um, of him, but he did bring up Marvin Harrison Jr. And clearly, I know that there's no way in the world that that's going to happen. I was just kind of joking around with that. Now, do I wish it could happen? Absolutely. If there was a way you could do it, would I be all in on it? Absolutely. But I know that there's not a way that it's going to happen. But Chris Ballard, 9.30 with the fellas tomorrow morning. So we got Sweebo going to Hinkle. Yeah, make sure my friends over at Butler at Henkel tonight welcome in Sweebo. He'll be uh, the one wearing the hat with the red beard. Make sure you welcome in him as he's watching Butler and St. John's from Henkel coming up later on tonight. Welcome over at Henkel Sweebo. Put a little, put a little spotlight like a faces in the crowd. Hey, these are the celebrities that are at this game, and like make sure you find and put a little spotlight on Sweebo. At Hinkle later on tonight. And by the way, too, Butler, let's get to a little bit of winning. Get back to the winning here. I mean, this is a mammoth game. Now, on the other side of that so-called bubble where you don't want to be, get back into the winning tonight for the dogs. Maintain the winning because the last thing I want. All right, I'm going to go see Indiana State and Murray State. Greg Rakestraw and I on Sunday. The last thing I want is to see Indiana State go down to Evansville tonight and crap their pants all over the Ford Center. Can't have it. Indiana State in action against Evansville this evening to IU Wisconsin with IU. I thought, and I know a lot has been made, and I certainly made a lot of this at the beginning of the show, but I thought IU played. You can make an argument, even in the loss to Kansas, that there was a considerable hard level of play. I just thought, considering all that went down last night, they got out to a 15-point lead. They lost it. Fire alarm goes off. And then it was like punch and counterpunch. I thought it was well beyond the double-double that you saw from Khalil Ware. I thought they played as hard consistently in that game last night as I have seen them play in a game this season. And that matters because that always matters. Sometimes it gets clouded in shot-making ability. Sometimes it gets clouded in wins. But it never should be open for debate as much as it has been this year. And that's what stood out to me about IU's win over Wisconsin last night was that because they consistently gave that to you. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. I have time on the other side. You guys want to go ahead and chime in, 239-1070. We'll talk about anything you want to hit, including the Pacers coming up later on tonight against the Pelicans. 239-1070 is the number. We'll talk with you coming up next. The AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live and yet another glorious experience live from the NFL Combine for this afternoon show on this Wednesday. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
The Ride with JMV. And you're nothing but a chameleon, lemon-headed, coward, talent, and I'm after you, buddy. You're going to pay for it. Good night. Thank you very much, sir. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Dev's an on-site engineer. We're inside the convention convention center. Sorry for the 2024 NFL Combine. Uh, Kevin Bowen just with us, too. They have Chris Ballard coming up tomorrow morning. Um, Today, for me, has been spectacular. We start the day out noting that, unfortunately, Shane Steichen is ill, so could not represent the day on the podium and could not be on the show today. He's going to join us next week. Um, uh, Ian Rappaport was a huge no-show today. So I've been down here having a blast along with Devin so far this afternoon. But at least Matt Taylor was here. At least Matt Miller was here. Chris Denary joined us. And then Bowen with the podcast across the board at 107.5, the fan Com. Tomorrow's show, Josh Schertz, the head coach of Indiana State Sycamores on the road at Evansville, coming up later on tonight. I'll be looking for you at the Pacer game. I'm going to Gambridge Fieldhouse to see the Pelicans and the Pacers tonight. Remember that tip time's at 7.30. 7P is when things get underway with the pregame show right here. Valley Sports Indiana, by the way, still does have the game tonight. So Chris and Quinn and J.J., and Eddie Gill all will be coming at you on Valley Sports Indiana later on tonight. Are you a winner over Wisconsin last night? Not without a little bit of drama with a fire alarm going off and the evacuation of everybody inside Assembly Hall for the better part of 18 or so minutes. And I think it's J-Law at 239-1070 right now. He was a part of that evacuation process last night. J-Law, did you know what the hell was going on? We did not have a clue. Uh, what did you What did you think up, it was? I, you know, we heard the announcement. The only thing I could hear, because it was like a uh, automated announcement. It wasn't the regular PA you know, announcer saying that it does the games. And all I kept hearing, hearing was the evacuation staircase. So I figured it was uh, with the inclement weather coming on, we thought we'd have some jacket off weather. And got on the weather apps, radar was clear. And I got on Twitter, nothing. And at that time, we just kept sitting there. They kept playing. And then eventually, a few people started to leave, and we just sat there and they kept playing. And it, then all of a sudden, play stopped. There was a foul, and then they made all of us leave. Uh, so we all went outside, and wasn't the weather it was. A nice evening, you know, high 60s. Uh, yep. And, you know, I heard somebody talk to a police officer, and they, they thought it, he said it was a, a student that had on the upper level in the balcony that pulled a, a fire alarm. But I also heard that he was, the student was smoking in the bathroom or, or somewhere. Uh, but it was weird. And then on the way back in, I ran to Robbie Hummel. And I said, hey, uh, have you ever experienced anything like that? He goes, no. As weirdest thing ever, dude. He goes, it's bizarre. Um, I had a friend of mine that said that smoke detector in uh, in the hall going into Cook Hall went off for an unknown reason. That's uh, how it was explained to me. But uh, yeah, it was bizarre. It never in my life. Interesting. I will say I, this. I, go ahead. Go ahead. I think about 25% of the crowd didn't come back in. They just got in the cars and left. Yeah, I kind of wondered, and Mike Woodson had said after the game last night, he kind of 
it gave a lot of credit to those that did come back in, and it was still loud. There's no question about that. But, you know, as much as Greg Gard kind of cried about it afterwards, I, I thought that that could have gone either way. It could have been deflating for both. I mean, I know that Wisconsin, oh, yeah. they were playing they were playing well and got that thing tied, but uh, it could be deflating for both. I thought both went back and forth and punched and counterpunched about as well as you could in that final 10 coming out of that situation. So, I, I mean, yeah. I, I know you, you, you want to be upset about it if you're guard because, I mean, if you're a fan of IU and that happened to you on the road, you'd be upset about it too. But it didn't, to me, seem to affect any level of play once they did return. No, the last 10 minutes were pretty intense, actually. I thought the, the, the intensity of the game, that last 10 minutes was more so than any point in the game. Yeah. Anything else, my man J-Law, from that experience yeah, with the I, fire alarm last night? Uh, I was glad to see X come back. I thought he played well, and they, they do play at a different tempo when he's in the game. Um, just wish he could be that way all the time. Yeah, I just wish that they would have played hard like that most of the time, which they yeah. didn't. That's what stood out to me was throughout that game. And it wasn't just Ware putting up the double-double, and he was really good last night. I thought it was more – the level of play and intensity-wise that they played that had been missing. It certainly had been missing over the last four games, but more times than not, it was tough you know, to find that intensity throughout the season. I thought for at least a game last night, it was as consistent as we have seen it. Yeah, that where that first half the dude was just on fire. He could, he, I mean, he missed one shot the entire game, I think. It's like 11-12 or 12-13. Uh, yeah, he, he's a, he's a talented dude, but he's somebody else that sometimes needs a little bit more juice. He's talented, but sometimes he yeah. needs a little bit more enthusiasm. Sometimes those guys need a little bit more enthusiasm, and I thought they had it throughout that game last night to a level in which we haven't seen. Yeah, it was enjoyable. First time in five games. <laughs> so. J-Law, I appreciate the update from somebody that was there last night. That's well done. You're welcome. You're welcome. You have a good time tonight at the game. You got it. I can't wait to go see a little Pelicans and Pacers coming up later on tonight, too. Yeah, the uh, the alarm was evidently a smoke detector that is in the hall between Cook Hall and Assembly Hall is how that, that was said to me. Uh, from my friend Greg, and Greg would certainly know. I guess that's one way to go about it right there. JMV, the total eclipse path moves across America from, I think, Texas to the northeast, and Indy is directly in the path in the early afternoon. So everyone in the Midwest will come here to see it. That eclipse conversation was brought up a little bit earlier. JMV, my brother-in-law, works for NASA, and he and 20 of his friends are coming from D.C. to watch the eight-minute eclipse. Well done. JMV, tell Matt Taylor that there isn't that many moon geeks. He must be one of them. <laughs> he did say moon geeks. JMV, most schools are on e-learning the days of the solar eclipse. Ron Colley is, in fact, an e-learning. I had no idea. That's way, way, way too far ahead. What is that, like a month a little month plus ahead. That's too way too far ahead of me right now. All right, 239-1070. My man Fulton is up next. Hello, Fulton. Hello, JMV. How are you this evening? My friend Fulton, I am outstanding. How are you? 
Doing all right. I decided to come to my uh, basketball, my last basketball practice on Friday night. That That is on Friday night at what time again? I think I saw you sent me an email. I did not recognize it's the at, time. It's at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. is always a little bit tough for me because I'm still on the air at 6 p.m. Okay, we've got a basketball semifinal coming up pretty soon on March 9th. Well, you got to let me know about that. Yeah, 6 o'clock normally for me, Fulton, is a little difficult because I'm still on the air or just coming off the air. But, yeah, yeah, at some point, we will be together again, my friend. Sounds good, JMV. Fulton, thank you very much for the call. Yeah, you're welcome. We're a big fan. Big Fulton fans around here, we are. Hey, live inside Hoosier Corridor J, where tomorrow morning at 9.30, Sweebo, that's KB and Andy, will have Chris Ballard right here. I also want to remind you that Shane Steichen couldn't make it today because Shane Steichen was sick. In fact, he was supposed to be on the podium, I think, today at 3.30. Uh, he was ill. And thanks to the Colts for telling me that earlier, too. He was ill, could not make it. Shane Steichen's going to join us coming up next week. But Chris Ballard is coming back in tomorrow just to talk with the morning show. I think that's a good thing. 9.30 tomorrow morning for KB and Andy with Colts general manager Chris Ballard. So make sure you are a part of that coming up tomorrow. All right, quick break and we'll come back. Final thoughts at 239-1070. We'll get to you and we'll get you set for the Pelicans and the Pacers coming up later on tonight as well. Josh Schertz tomorrow, the head coach of Indiana State. We got Mike Chappell coming up tomorrow as well. And a busy rest of the week live from the NFL Combine. So Wednesday edition, 2024 NFL Combine live from the Convention Center. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. You're going to eat your fat. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Triple A Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. I see you guys. Devin's got on a Kelsey Farms hat. Is that Wyland? No. Or not? You can, like, hit your microphone if you want right there. You got it on their head. What, you can't remember? I like that, though. I like that hat. I'm a, I am a big – I think Kelsey – I thought Kelsey Farms was in Whiteland. I am a big farmer hat, farmer guy hat. I'll give you a great example of it. Our friend Litzy, who is awesome. I think everybody knows. If you know this show, you know Chris Litzy. For my birthday, got me a Pioneer Seed hat. And I wear that bad boy with pride right there. Nothing like back in the day for Pioneer down in Greene County getting a summer job detasseling corn. That was everybody's favorite. Shout out to Kelsey Farms right there. 239-1070 is the number. Hey, JJ is next as we're broadcasting live for the Combine. Hello, JJ. John, how you doing? JJ, I'm outstanding. How are you, sir? Good, good. Hey, I had to call in about the whole fire alarm at Assembly Hall. Back in the day, yeah. I had the privilege of working at Butler, and occasionally we'd have those those early basketball games, late football games where – one game's ending, one game's beginning, and the football team's down the basement of Hinkle showering, and the steam would set off the fire alarms. And so you'd have 7,000 people looking around wondering why everything's <laughs> blinking and that noise is going on, and, you know, three or four interns running to the basement going, please, God, make that be the steam and not anything anything more, you know, uh, serious. But we, never, we never evacuated the building, but it happened more than once. 
JJ, it happened to me. I was doing the show once in the afternoon in the building, uh, the the MS building downtown, and the fire alarm went off, and they evacuated everybody but me. Me and Tony Donahue at the time. We're the only ones in the building that got in there. And, and we, I had to talk over that sound. The lights were flashing and that sound, that alarm sound in the background for a good 20 minutes. It was incredible. Oh, man, there's nothing more annoying either. When you can't get it turned off and everyone's looking at especially game off staff, you're like, we're trying, I swear. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny last night. You look back on you can laugh right now, but I know Greg Gard was upset, and anybody would be upset about that stoppage of play at that length. But I didn't think it affected the play on either side. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it gave the big guys, I think Hummel mentioned this last night, you know, wear and, and renew a little bit of a break and a rest. But, you know, other than that, I thought the level of play on both sides continued the way that it was prior to the stoppage of play. Yeah, I mean, there's really no advantage. I mean, again, you both had to stop. You both had to go back. You had to gather yourself. I mean, both teams have the advantage, right? Whatever you're doing yeah. right, you try to keep doing. Whatever they're doing right against you, you're going to, you know, obviously sit back and go, okay, how do we change this? It's an extra timeout, an extra half. You're, I agree with you. It, it would be upsetting to be the away team when it happened, but no one really came ahead with an advantage. No, I agree. JJ, I appreciate the call, man. Have a great night. Good talking to you. Courtney is next at 239-1070. Courtney, hello. How are you doing, sir? Courtney, I'm having the time of my life. How are you? I'm absolutely fantastic. Hey, I just love the way my suit sits in. As a yes. former fire marshal, the, the state fire code has a workaround all of this, and you see it at Cambridge and also at Lucas Oil, and that is they will – you're allowed to silence your alarm – and hire fire marshals to be the actual snippers. So when that alarm comes in, you might have a dozen or so guys running to that location to check it out before they activate the actual noise and the light. Uh, and they do that so that uh, you won't have to deal with the crowd, the possibility of panicking crowds. Uh, sometimes right. it's more of a, a could be more of a catastrophe than the actual fire itself. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about it last night. Those those situations can be dangerous. False alarms, yes. no doubt. Exactly. Yeah. So you never you'll never see that in an NFL game or NBA game because they have other people in the building, and that is basically their job to investigate that before those alarms. Unless unless it's a faulty alarm, that's something different. But there's you others in it. that building that that will go investigate that. So I just want to add my two cents and real quick. The caller before me, let him know that uh, I don't think Atlanta Falcons would feel like there's a uh, an advantage if you have to stop play for a period of time based on the Super Bowl back in the day. <laughs> Courtney, man, I appreciate that. You have a great night. Well done. Hey, Shane Palmer is a fantastic listener to this show and has been for a long time. Let's wish a happy birthday to his son, Jet. Jet, happy birthday. Number 12 is coming up for Jet on Friday. Devin, great job from you. Matt Taylor's over there, voice of the Colts. Thank you, Matt Miller of ESPN. Kristen Neri, not to mention Kevin Bowen. 7 o'clock pregame coverage. Pelicans and Pacers right here. I'll see you down at the Fieldhouse if you're going. Chris Ballard, 9.30. KB and Andy tomorrow morning, 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, have a great night.